Thank you uh, for being here again. We've uh, we've been in a series for the last four weeks. If this is your first time at City Hills, hopefully you've sort of uh, caught up on the podcast or you can catch up. We've been talking about relationships and sex. Last week we talked about sex and uh, I'd like to say sex a couple of times just to sort of shock you enough that if you hear it anymore, you won't get weird. Uh, we talked about that last week, the, and the name of this series is The New Rules for Love, Sex, and Marriage. So we've talked about all that. Today we're going to dive in and talk about marriage. So let me just give you the same caveat that I have given you every week, which is this is PG-13. So if you have kids that you don't want to have to explain over lunch what it is I'm talking about, we have great kids ministry that you can, uh, you can bring them to uh, in this moment. But I'm so excited about this uh, series, and hopefully it's helped you. It has helped me. And uh, I hope that it's helped you. I hope these messages have helped you. If you missed one of them, you can grab that on the podcast. Grab your Bibles or maybe open up your Bible on your phone if you're like me. That's sort of how I follow along. And uh, let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. And I believe that inside of this word are the words of life. That inside of this book is the instruction manual of my soul. It's the road map. It's the thing I'm supposed to live. So as we open your word today, let it be a mirror that my heart my mind and my spirit I I can receive I see where I'm lacking and I can see where you're calling me and that I would respond to that today Father I open my heart to you I open our relationships to you I want to leave here better than I came in Jesus name everybody shout amen everybody shout amen amen Amen. thanks again uh, for being here and hopefully you're taking notes today you can do that on the back of your worship guide how many of you are note takers in church let me see your hands how many of you are just doodlers and I don't know the difference Yeah, you're playing tic-tac-toe. I see you back there playing tic-tac-toe with other people. Uh, I don't know. I can't tell from up here what you're doing. Whether you're taking notes or playing tic-tac-toe. So uh, whatever it is, just grab uh, a pen. We're ending this series today. So let me give you sort of a recap of where we've been. And let me talk about next Sunday real quick. Next Sunday is time change. We spring forward. It's the one you don't like because you lose an hour. I'm just being honest with you. But, but next Sunday is going to be so great. It really is. We, we have what we're calling family day here at City Hills. So we're going to invite your whole family, your kids into church with us that day, except for your, your, your you know, babies and toddlers. We'll still have kids ministry for them. But uh, if, they're in, if they're in school from, from K through fifth grade, we're going to invite them into service with us. And we'll kind of have a shortened service that day. And we're going to worship together. I think they're actually going to worship with us like on the stage. We're going to have some kids worshiping. and It's going to be so cool. So I, I, I can't wait for next week. And uh, if you'll come to first service, I'm bribing you with food. Like we, uh, this is a true story. Like we're providing breakfast for first service next week, and so if you get up early and you're thinking, why not? Like I, I don't know, I, I can't go back to sleep. Uh, I'd love to have you at nine o'clock, and I'll bribe you with food. Some of you need to be a missionary to the nine o'clock service. Like you need to, like you need to, you need to go to nine o'clock. It's a strange land where there's not as many people as there are in this service, and so uh, let me just uh, encourage you if you if you want to do that next week, I'd love to have you. And, uh, and then you can serve in 1045 uh, if you do that. So let me give you kind of where we've been the last four weeks. The first week we talked about the right person myth. We said that uh, you can't ever just find the right person, that you got to become the right person. We said it this way. That w- are you becoming the person that the person you're looking for is looking for? Are you becoming the person that the person you're looking for 
is looking for. In other words, you can't just sort of make a list and go, man, I wish all of this happened. And usually what happens is the person you're looking for ain't looking for a person like you. You know what I'm saying? Usually the list that you have, you're not living up to. Single people, it always kills me. They're like, Pastor, this is kind of what I want. When they meet with a the preacher, they always say spiritual stuff. They're like, I want somebody that's, you know, that's just godly. I don't care what they look like, Pastor. I don't care if they have hair or not. It doesn't matter. I don't care if they're bald. I just want somebody that prays. <laughs> Praise. You don't want nobody that prays. You ain't dating somebody that prayed in 10 years. You, you ain't looking for nobody praying. So you got to become the person that the person you're looking for is looking for. And then in the second week, we talked about getting a clear vision of your relationship. That if you didn't have a vision, you would just end up somewhere that you didn't, you didn't know how you got there. And in a marriage, you didn't really, you know, realize how you got there. I don't know if you've ever woken up. All the married people look straight at me. If you've ever woken up and looked over there and been like, Oh my God, what, what happened? You kind of throw a tic-tac in his mouth like, ah, and you just, you don't know how you got where you are. And so we said, you got to have a vision for uh, your relationship. And then last week we talked about sex and we had to talk about soul ties. And that's probably my favorite message in this series, just sort of opening up kind of what happens that sex is not just physical, that it's emotional and that it's spiritual and that it connects you to somebody else on a level that's so much more than physical. And some of the problems in your current relationship have to do with the ties that you have from a previous relationship. And so just talked about how to sever those soul ties. Today, we're going to sort of end where I want you to get, and that is, I want you to have a great marriage. Everybody say marriage. marriage. Let me help you single people. If you've been engaged for one year or longer... You come holler at your boy. It's time to have a ceremony. Come on. It's time to get married. Tell him, I said, now's the time. Put a ring on it. It's time to go. Let's get, let's get married. Let's just go ahead and do what... This is God's plan for you. Is that you get to the point where you're in a covenant relationship. And we said a couple of weeks ago, well, we're marriage in God's sight. Well, listen, if you didn't get married in God's sight... You ain't married in God's sight. You may be doing stuff married folk do, but you ain't married in God's sight. So you need to get married. And, and then if you are married in the room, I want to help you have a great marriage. And I really want to talk to married couples today. I know we've kind of been about singles and, and you know, and, and tried to, a couple of weeks sort of talk about what it's like to find the right relationship. But I want to talk to married couples that are in a relationship and kind of help you have a great Marriage. How many of you have an iPhone or a smartphone? Would you just raise your hand? Right. I don't know why you'd have anything other than an iPhone, but whatever. Uh, I I uh, I I like to buy music on on my iPhone. Do you like to do that? Do you like to to buy? Brandy's really bad at this. The other day we were talking about this. I hope that, that I, I don't know if you hear what I hear. I hope that uh, it's not bad because we were just talking the other day. But Ed Sheeran just dropped a new album. That is fire. Oh, my goodness. And I was like, Brandy, I love me some Ed Sheeran. Come on, somebody. And I was like, except the bad stuff. If there's any bad stuff, I do not like that. <laughs> I probably should have asked before I said something about that. And I was like, Brandy, have you heard it? She was like, oh, yeah, that's my jam. I bought the whole album. I was like, oh, okay, because you, you, ain't, you ain't told a brother. You ain't said nothing to me that we're buying albums now. <laughs> like, but it used to be back in the day when you heard a song on the radio that you liked, you, you, if the DJ didn't say, like, who the artist was, if he didn't say, like, and, and that was, what's that new Ed Sheeran song, was it? The one I, what? Shape of, ooh, I don't, that ain't the good one. I, I'm not talking about that one. I'm talking about, uh, going home, that sounds better. Shape of you don't sound good. Maybe it is good. I don't know, probably the one I like. 
used to be back in the day, if the DJ didn't tell you, you had to go to the, like you would listen to it, and then you'd go to like Best Buy or FYE or like wherever, wherever it is you bought. You remember FYE? You remember that? Is it, you'd go in there and, you, and you'd tell like the dude behind the counter, he's like 30, you know, two and lives with his mom or whatever. And, and, and you'd be like, dude, I heard this song the other day and it kind of goes like this. And you'd, and you'd like have to sing it to him and he'd be like, oh yeah, I know, dude, aren't you talking about that? And, and, then, and then he'd sell you an album. Now we just like we hear it and, and we buy it, you know, you just buy it right there in the car. Or you buy it on a road trip and you don't tell your husband that you bought the whole album. You just sort of buy, buy the thing. I, I, it's, it's technology sort of changes so much like that. It's, it's amazing. Or, or, or back, in, back in the day before, before you had an app for that, like we had to go to Blockbuster. You remember Blockbuster? Anybody? Blockbuster was my jam. I used to, my mama would, uh, would, would let us go to Blockbuster on the weekends and my brother and I could rent a movie a piece. And that was a big, big, big deal. And he would get something stupid and I would get something awesome. I don't know what it was. Anyway, we'd go to Blockbuster. And then, then we got married. And, and not long after we got married, so Blockbuster kind of went, I don't know what happened. They just went sideways. And Redbox came out. Anybody Redbox fans? And I loved me some Redbox. It was $1. And I would keep it for like two weeks and pay like $16. Cause, and brand new, you get so mad. You'd be like, it's a dollar. But, but I would keep it for so long that we would just, you know, let's just own that one. Like, let's just say that we own Titanic now. <laughs> like, because we, we've kept it for so long. Now, I'm so lazy, I won't even go to Redbox. I just stream it on Amazon or like, or, or, or Netflix or, or even like our cable provider. Like, last night, we watched a movie. We just streamed it because we're just so lazy <laughs> like that. Back in the day, you couldn't do that. Or cameras. You remember, you, you remember how many of you went on vacation and used to buy disposable cameras to go on your vacation with? You remember this? We used to do this. And then you'd go to, yeah, yeah, and you'd have to, and then you'd go to Walmart and you'd put it in that little bag and you'd hand it to them and you'd be like, when can I get this back? Oh, like four days and so so four days later you'd go back I don't know if you were cheap like us but back in the day when we didn't have any money which is a lot like today we would go we would I was just thinking there's not not much has changed and we we would go and and like at Walmart you didn't have to pay for the pictures that were bad you know what I mean so like so if we had bad angles I'd be like I look terrible I'm not paying for that one I look we're not and, and it'd be like 10 cents a picture whatever like 30 cents but anyway, anyways you just don't do that everybody takes pictures with their phone now and nobody has cameras well when Jesus is 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 preaching he didn't have like an app for fixing everything he couldn't say hey just open up the this app so especially like in, when he talked about relationships he, he had to use what was familiar and what familiar to everybody was agriculture everybody was a farmer he's in an agriculture culture and so everybody sort of understood that anybody that's like an urban farmer or like from Sisterdale one of the two <laughs> like anybody that like farms right now with cows and whatnot okay now I want to be an urban farmer I, I want like a like a box uh, garden uh, and and like chickens in my backyard and like a chicken coop Terry y'all gonna hear him one day and you're, it's, it's gonna be me and Brandy's like you you kill our grass why would you want to kill other plants and animals <laughs> Like, why, why would you want? But Jesus is talking to farmers, and so he would oftentimes relate spirituality to something they would understand. It was, it was the technology of the day, and most of that was about farming, and especially the principle of sowing and reaping. Would you write that in your notes? Especially the principle of sowing and reaping. You'll find all through the story of Jesus in the, in the Gospels, you'll find him sort of telling the same story over and over. The principle that he's telling is that whatever it is that you sow, 
You reap. And the, 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 it's very true for your marriage. And sort of where I want to end this series on today is this big idea. So this is the backdrop of that. This is the big idea. If you don't catch anything else that I say today, I want you to catch this. Having a great marriage is less about what you say and more about what you sow. It's less about what you say. It's more about what you sow. In other words, you and I have to live our relationships, especially our marriages, by the law of sowing and reaping. Some of you have sown things that you don't want the harvest of. I, when I meet with people, especially, especially religious people, especially people who come from a background like I came from, which is a very uh, religious and sort of le- you know, legalistic sort of environment, the number one question that we usually have is this. Pastor, is this a sin? Sin. Is this a sin? And what they're really asking, because if you grew up like me, you were scared to go to hell. Because I was scared all the time. I'd be like, I may go today. I don't know. It could happen today. And I was always in constant fear of, of going to hell. And so it, it was really what they're asking is, am I going to go to hell? Like, is this thing, whatever action I want to do, is it going to send me to hell? And, and what I would always say is this. This is what I would tell you today if you were to ask me, is this thing sin? Unless it's black and white in this book. Now, there's some stuff in this book I can't make it not say what it says. And so if it's in this book and it's sin, I'm just going to tell you, yeah, that thing's uh, sin. But if it's not black and white in there, here's what I always say. I always say it's not about whether or not it's sin. It's, the question is, is this a seed? And do I want the harvest from this seed that I'm planting? Because here's what a lot of us do. A lot of us plant seeds and then we pray for crop failure. <laughs> we're, like, we're like, God, I know I planted that seed, but please don't let that harvest come up. Like, I, I do not, especially when you have kids, you're like, God, I know I lived like a hellion, but please don't let my kids be hellions. Please, please don't let that happen to me. My, my, my mom always said that like that, your kids are going to you know, do whatever it is there. You're reaping what you, I don't know if it works that way, really. Brandy, before we had kids, when I would make fun of ugly babies she would be like don't do that we're gonna have ugly kids and that didn't work we have pretty kids anyways I think all babies are ugly in the beginning mine were ugly in the beginning yours are beautiful yours are yours are gorgeous but all the other babies I've ever seen are not you sow and you reap you sow and you reap and in your marriage you can't sow things you don't want to harvest some of us have a marriage that we're not comfortable and we don't like the harvest that we have. And it really has very little to do with what we're saying. It has everything to do with what we're sowing into our marriage. It has everything to do with what we're sowing into. So I want to help you today. I want you to get a grip on some great things today. I want you to have a great marriage. Not just a good marriage. Good is the enemy of great. I want you to have a great marriage. I believe it's possible that you have an elevated marriage. That people look at you and go, man, I want a marriage like they have. Like the single people in this room and in your job, they go, man, I want a kind of marriage like you've got. Like, not like my parents or not like, you know, what I've seen. Or, or I want a marriage like what you've, you've seemed to have a great marriage. And I want that to be true of your marriage. That one of the, the, the things that we say here at City Hills all the time is we are a life-giving church. I literally want to elevate your life to the point that everything in your life is sort of higher than the, than the way that you came. You know, when you came to God, maybe my relationship was here, but now my relationship's not here. And I want you to have a great, great, great marriage. In order to do that, you're going to have to get a grip and sow some things, and you're going to have to stop sowing other things. 
You're not just going to be able to change what you say in your marriage and start saying the right things. You're going to have to start sowing the right things. So I'm going to give you four things. And, and this is kind of a 30,000 foot view. This isn't everything. But here, here's four things. If you want to have a great marriage. If, you want to, if you're married right now or you're thinking about getting married. And I hope uh, if, you, if you aren't married that you're thinking about getting married. I want to give you a couple of things for that. Here's what Galatians 6 and 7 says. Don't be deceived. God is not mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh. Then that's what they reap. But whoever sows to please God's spirit. Then that's what they reap. And let us not become weary in well-doing. If you've been married for longer than two weeks. I want you to underline that sentence. Because at some point in your marriage. You're going to feel weary in well-doing. You're going to be like. I don't even like you no more. I don't even want to be in this no more. We have to do this for the kids. Some of you are in that relationship today. And you will get weary in well-doing. But here's what the Bible says. Don't, don't give up on that. Don't get weary in that. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do the right things. If we just don't give up. I can't tell you the number of people who have given up just short of God answering their prayers. I can't tell you the people in this room who have given up. I remember talking to somebody on our dream team not long ago about a job situation. It was the weekend and he had to work the weekend and he called me. He was like, Pastor, I don't, I don't want it. Like, I literally don't want to go to work today. Like, I want it to be over with today. And, and I just said, man, let's do this. Let's just pray a little while longer. Like, I know you've been believing God for months and months and months. And I know that there's other opportunities. But I just think, what if God would turn? Let's just give this a little bit more time and don't give up on this today and literally I, I think it was two weeks or maybe three weeks later he comes back to me catches me in the hallway serving like crazy here and he says you, you know what happened the job that I've been praying for, I got that job at that location exactly what I wanted and if I would have given up if I would have stopped short of that I wouldn't have got the answer to the prayer that I had been believing God for and some of us in our relationship are just short of God answering your prayer in your marriage and you give up too soon the Bible says you will reap a harvest if you decide not to give up. So let, let me give you four ways that I think you need to get a grip. I think you need to, with, with that in mind, I want you to get a grip on these four things. Here's the first one if you're taking notes. You and I have to get a firm grip on how we handle disappointment. How we handle disappointment in our relationship. Every relationship will have disappointment. Do you know why? Because you're crazy and she's crazy. That's why. <laughs> because two crazy people started living together. And there will always be disappointment. When two sinners are in a relationship and living together. There will be disappointment. Because disappointment is the gap between what I expect to happen. And what I experience in my life. It's the gap between what my expectation of my spouse. And my experience with my spouse. Some of you have had that disappointment gap in your life. And you, and you, you know you got married and he said I'm going to I'm going to have a good job and you've been waiting a long time for him to have a good job and just disappointment right there some of you you, you know she said I'm going to go back to school and, and 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 she was able to squeeze an associate's degree into like 6 years and at college and you're thinking man there's some disappointment in there and I, I thought it was going to be faster than this or or maybe it's something bigger than that some of you struggled like Brandy and I with having children and there's a disappointment right there it's the gap between between what I expected this marriage was going to be. And the experience that I had inside of this marriage. And how you handle your disappointment. Listen. Will determine what it is that you harvest out of your marriage. If you always sow disappointment. You will always reap. Disappointment. 
Some of us live our marriages disappointed with our spouse at every turn. You're not good enough. This isn't what I thought. I thought you were going to do better than this. I thought things were going to be different. And that gap, that expect, we keep sowing disappointment. Man, you've let me down here again. Man, I thought this was going to be different. And if you're not careful, you just sow in that disappointment over. And the more that you sow, the more that you reap disappointment. Let me tell you a story. The way Jesus would tell a story in Luke 1. He said in the time that Herod, king of Judea, was priest there was a there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the division of Abijah and his wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron in other words he's a preacher and he's married to a preacher's daughter both of them were righteous in the sight of God both of them observed all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly let me stop right here and tell you just because you're a Christian doesn't mean you will not face hard times Whoever lied to you and said if you'll keep all of God's commands and you'll live righteously, that bad things won't happen to you. If I'm the first to tell you, they lied to you. It doesn't doesn't shield you or insulate you from bad things happening to good people. These are two good people, Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth. Verse 7 says the struggle in their marriage, but they were childless because Elizabeth wasn't able to conceive and they were both very old. Brandy and I, for 10 years, the first 10 years of our marriage, dealt with this very same infertility issue. And I know what it's like to sort of walk this journey with my spouse. And if you're not careful, you will start sowing disappointment. It must be you. It must be you. We would go to the clinic, and I'll never forget everybody looking at their feet because everybody feels guilty in a fertility clinic. Everybody feels like it's your fault because the husband's saying, I'm disappointed that you can't give me a child. And the wife is saying, I'm disappointed it's probably your fault. And then if you're not careful, Zechariah and Elizabeth, not only could they have been disappointed in each other, but a lot of people are disappointed in God. And they say, God, why didn't you do this? And some of you are living in this land of disappointment. Because things didn't go right. And you're sowing in disappointment. Let me ask you a question. What would have happened to this marriage had they sowed in disappointment? Would they have made it? The likelihood is they would not have been married very long. Some of you. Some of you are on another marriage because you sowed disappointment in your first one. Because the spouse that you were married to could never live up to the expectations. Or you were the spouse that could never live up to the expectations that they have. Let me ask you a question. At what point are you going to say, you know what? It doesn't matter how hard this gets. I'm going to start sowing faith into my marriage instead of disappointment in my marriage. Say amen to that. You and I have to start sowing belief. It may not be what it is you want it to be now, but I'm going to sow belief that it's not your fault and that you you can be the man that God called you to be. Let me tell you something. Wives, your husband doesn't always want to hear how terrible he is. I don't believe in that. I don't, on Father's Day, I, I grew up in church, and on Father's Day, we would, on Mother's Day, we would praise all the women, and we would hand out flowers, and we'd be like, you're the greatest thing in the world. And Mary was a saint, and you're a saint, and mamas are going to heaven. It doesn't matter what you do. If you give birth to a child, you're a saint. And, and then on Father's Day, we would be like, you're a deadbeat. you got to start coming to church, and the husbands never worship, and fathers are terrible, and we hate daddies in here. And I never quite understood why we did that we don't do that at city hills we're i'm gonna speak into the men in this room and say you're a mighty man of god you lead your family in worship we lead our family in giving i don't just send my kids to church i bring my kids come on man 
That's what we do here. I'm sowing where I want to reap. If you want a wife that is honoring, why don't you sow honor into that and not disappointment? If you don't get a grip on disappointment in your life, listen, at some point in your marriage, it will crumble under the weight of disappointment. You wait till you have to face crisis together. And if you don't have some faith between the two of you, then the disappointment and the, and the weight of the disappointment between you, you'll crumble under that weight. You got to get a grip on your disappointment in your life. The enemy wants you to be disappointed always with your spouse. He wants you to focus on that disappointment. Because if you focus on it, then your spouse can't ever rise above that. And you'll be in control. Always the one saying, remember when, remember how. I never forget, I counseled a couple one time who, who, who the, the man had had an affair. And I'm not advocating and I'm not, you got to know my heart on that. Hopefully you, you wouldn't interpret that the wrong way. But he had an affair and they were trying to work through it. But it had been years since this affair. And the wife had just consistently gone back and back and back talking about it. She had forgiven him, so she said. She had moved on, so she said. But every fight went back to that. And it had been years. And no more indiscretions and he had repented and I'll never forget at one time I was in the room with another pastor and we were there with this couple and this pastor said something that absolutely changed the way I look at this kind of marriage counseling and he said this you at some point he told the wife at some point you can either be right or you can be happy you're right he messed up and you can be right all of your life you're right he he, he messed up but you, you're going to have to choose at some point either I'm going to be right and I'm going to make our lives miserable or I'm going to choose to be happy and move beyond this. At, at, at some point, you're just going to have to not sow into that disappointment. Not always talk about what he used to be, where she came from. Come on, somebody. I'm going to sow faith into my marriage. Say amen to that. The second thing you're going to have to get a grip on is dedication. You're going to have to get a grip on dedication. Focusing on disappointment always leads to destruction. But Zechariah and Elizabeth were dedicated. Listen to this. Here's what happens in Luke 1 and 8. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty, he was serving as a priest before God. Stop right there. Look at my eyes. If you're in a, in a marriage and you're in disappointment, the best thing for you to do is to stay dedicated to serving God. I've never quite understood when people face trouble why they pull away from God's house. If there's ever a time for you to come to church together, it's when things are, or things are hard. When, when we're in a disappointment. When things aren't going the way I want to. Zechariah said, I could stay home and I could cry about it. But no, I, I'm on duty this weekend and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go do the thing I'm committed to doing. The Bible said he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to go into the temple of the Lord, and there he was going to burn incense, and and, and he was. Uh, the time came for the burning of incense, and listen to this: all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. Let me just give you a side note right here. Listen, if you'll stay faithful to church, let me tell you one of the benefits that you don't even think about. Zechariah was staying faithful to church. When disappointment was in his heart, when his marriage was struggling, when they couldn't have kids, he stayed faithful. And you know what happened? There were other people outside the temple praying for him. There's some times you come to church when you don't have the strength to worship for yourself. 
And there's something about being in church when these other, there's a couple of hundred other people who say, you know what, I know you're going, I'm not, I'm not there today. I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll worship for you today. I'll pray in your stead today. And you'll leave church better, not because of what you were able to contribute, just because you were dedicated to God's house and there were other worshipers and people that were praying on the outside. That's a good preaching. Say amen to that. I pre- that was much better than you responded. I may preach that again at like at third service. I may start another service and preach that just so I can get a better response. He's dedicated to what he's doing. He said, I'm going to stay dedicated to serving God. I'm going to get in God's house and I'm going to stay dedicated. You have got to decide to be dedicated to one another. You know why? Because there are going to be some days you don't want to stay married. There are only two days when you're married. Listen, listen real close. Write this down. There are only two days when you're, when you're married. I don't care if you've been married 40 years or, or, or 40 days or four days. If you're married four days, you need to be on a honeymoon. Get out of here. The only two days you have as a married couple are this. Wow days, which are days that you go, wow, I can't believe I get to be married. I can't believe we get to have sex and not feel guilty. I love this day. I love this day. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Single people, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I love being married. Wow, this is so great. I get to go home and you cook for me. And this is so, you cook roast. I'm just throwing an idea out there to you. And you, it's awesome. And it's wow. And I love being married to you. I'm just, I'm just kidding. She knows I'm stupid. The only other day you're going to have wow days and vow days. Vow days outweigh the wow days 10 to 1. Vow days are the days where you just keep going through Monday. You just get up, meet cereal, and put the kids in, in the car, and you go to school, and you go to work, and she goes to work, and you pay the bills. You come home, you watch TV, you, you, you make dinner together, you just go to bed. It's just normal. No, and you just make a, there, there's some days that are hard when you're fighting, and things don't go right, and you're disappointed. And those are the days when, those are vow days. Those are the days when I say, I'm just dedicated to this. On the days I don't feel it, I'm dedicated to it. On the days when you have a baby and you don't, you don't even like him. You can't believe he got you pregnant. I don't like kids and I don't like you and I don't like you because these are your kids. I'm dedicated to you. I can't tell you. Our generation is so bad about this. Come on, millennials. Come on, Gen X, 20s and 30s and 40s. Listen to me. Our parents didn't give up when it got hard. They just got dedicated to this. We just got to get dedicated. We, it's not always going to be easy. Who, who told you that? Let's just get dedicated to our vow. Zechariah says, I'm just going to keep showing up. I know it's not easy. I know God hadn't answered my prayer yet, but I'm going to keep showing up. And then listen, dedication keeps you together. And then Luke 1 and 11 says this, Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah saw him, and he was startled, and he was gripped with fear. That, that, that phrase, gripped with fear, is Greek. That means pooped his pants. And he was gripped with... That's not true. He was gripped with fear. The angel said to him, Don't be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you'll call him John. By the way, that's John the Baptist. That's the cousin of Jesus the Messiah. Just in case you're wondering. You know where the angel showed up? In the middle of Zechariah's dedication. What if Zechariah had decided not to go to work that day? And the angel shows up and says, where's that dude that's been praying for that thing? 
There's some of us who have decided to check out on our dedication. And the angel's going, I've got an answer. I just don't see you around sowing. I don't know where you... I, I was looking for the guy who'd been praying for his marriage. I'm here to answer. I just don't see him. He didn't report for duty today. Zechariah, is a, he, he's on duty. And, and Gabriel said, I've got an answer for you. And he's gripped with fear. This is so great. I love that. I, I love that this is the very next thing. Here's the third thing. You've got to get a grip on your doubts. You've got to get a grip on your doubt. You've got to get a grip on your doubt. You cannot sow doubt into your marriage. I love this. Luke, uh, Luke 1 says, Gabriel t- tells Zechariah, listen, listen about your son. Not only did God answer your prayer, listen to what he said. He said that your son is going to be the joy and a delight to you. And many people will rejoice because of his birth. He'll be great in the sight of the Lord. He'll never drink. Come on, all the mamas say amen to that. He'll, ne- he'll be filled with the Holy Spirit before he's born. He'll bring back many people to Israel. And he'll go on before the Lord. The spirit of Elijah will be on him. He'll turn the hearts of his parents to the children, the disobedient to wisdom and the righteous. He'll make ready and the people who will be prepared for the coming of the Lord. Gabriel said, you got to know the miracle that I have for you. Come on. I, that's good. It did. God, that's, listen. I like these people right here. I want, I, I, I'm going to Gabriel yeah, that's what I'm feeling it. Y'all can't come to 1045 and sit there. No, 9 o'clock gets to sit there. Y'all have to preach. That's all I'm going to say. It's 1045. It's almost 12. Y'all wake up. Gabriel says, there's the big miracle I have for you. I want to do something amazing in your life. How do I get down? I want to do something amazing in your life. I want to do something you've never seen before. And the very next words out of Zechariah's mouth. Listen, Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? Some of you have been coming to City Hills for six months. And I'm telling you, there's a miracle. God's going to answer. God can fix it. Some of you have come for all four weeks of this series. And I'm telling you, God's going to answer. God's going to make a way. God's got a miracle for you. And the very first thing you have is doubt. He said, how will I know this? How can I be sure? Zechariah is talking to an angel and asking him for a sign. I'm preaching to you that you can have a great marriage. That God can fix what's wrong in you. That you don't have to live broken the rest of your life. That God can fix all that stuff. You say you don't know how bad it's been. I don't care how bad it's been. If God says it's time to have a miracle, Elizabeth, just it's, it's time to have a miracle. That's just all there is to it. And some of you have been sowing doubt in your marriage, doubt in your relationship. I don't know if God can do it. No, no, no. You're going to have to sow faith in your marriage. You're going to have to say, if God said he can, then he can. If God said that we're going to get a better job, I'm going to keep looking. I know it wasn't that job or that job or that job, but God said I could have a better job. Well, I'm going to have a better job. We're going to get a better house. God's going to make a way for me. Come on, somebody shout amen to that. I promise, I promise you next week I'm going to be Baptist. I just can't today. How, thank you. That's my wife. How do, I, how do I know? How do I know? How do I know? I'm, I just, listen, I wanna, I've been praying for our marriage, but how do I know, angel? Here's the last thing you've got to get a grip on. At some point, you're just going to have to make a decision. To believe. 
You're just going to have to make a decision to believe God's for you. And God wants you to have a great marriage. I, I, I love this. I love this. And this is the PG-13 part if you have kids. And you're wondering when it's coming. Here it comes. The Bible says this. That after this whole exchange with the angel, even in his doubt... The Bible says in verse 23, When his time of service was completed, Zechariah returned home. Let me read between the lines and tell you. Zechariah went home with flowers and chocolates and put some Marvin Gaye on somebody. (laughs) Brown chicken, brown cow. You know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about... I'm talking about... and if I'm Elizabeth, I'm saying, oh man, get off me. I ain't even trying right now. Get off me right now. I don't even want, we're old. You know this isn't going to work. And, and Zechariah said, listen, the angel said it would. Let's just make a decision. Let's just try again. And I'm asking married couples to try again. Just try again. Just get up tomorrow and try again. You say, well, why hasn't he fixed it yet? I don't know. I, 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 don't, I don't have heaven's timetable. I don't know why it works that way or when it works. All I know is this. If you'll decide to take God at his word, it'll work. Play, Kent. And so Zechariah goes home. This is the very next verse. Here's how I know what between the lines because the very next verse is this. After this, Y'all know what this is. After this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant. And for five months, she remained in in seclusion. I don't have a reason for this. I don't know that this is the truth. I'm just telling you what I think. Because I remember the miscarriages that Brandy and I had. And every time we'd get pregnant, we were scared to tell anybody. Just in case we lost this one. And, And when we did. I think Zechariah and Elizabeth probably said, don't tell anybody, just in case. It doesn't work. And after five months, you can't hide it anymore. And Elizabeth comes out, and I love the way she ends this. I, 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 love, I love kind of the last part of this. Elizabeth says this, the Lord has done this for me. For some of you, your marriage is so broken that you don't think it's possible. Listen to me. Listen to me. The Lord can do anything for you. Elizabeth is carrying around this baby in her old age. I'm sure people are thinking, that's your grandbaby. No, 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 this is my baby. The Lord did this for me. In these days, He has shown His favor. And He's taken away my disgrace. Listen to this. Among the people. You know why I think that's true? You know why I think Elizabeth said it that way? Because I think there were some other mamas that lived in Elizabeth's neighborhood, that couldn't have babies. And when Elizabeth got pregnant, they go, if he can do it for you, he can do it for me. There's some marriages in the room that are on the verge of breaking up. You're only staying together for the kids. It's It's just not working. And there's some other people around you that are looking going, if God can fix you, maybe he can fix me. Maybe your family tree can change. Maybe your kids. Maybe your parents didn't stay together. But your kids need to see a marriage that stays together. If the Lord can do it for them. Maybe He can do it for us. 
It's just a decision you have to make. Sowing and reaping. Sowing and reaping. It's just about what I sow into my marriage. And I want you to have a great relationship. I really do. I want City Hills, I want people to talk in this town and from here to, 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 to San Antonio and to Kerrville and to Bulverde. I want people all around saying, that's the place where miracles happen. I knew that couple. They were going to break up. Like I, They didn't even like each other. They didn't even sleep in the same room. I knew them. And, and, and God, not just because, look, look, don't look around at all this. Don't, don't, don't mistake this for an elementary school. This is the angel of the Lord. Saying God will do what He said He'll do. And He'll fix what's wrong with you. Stand to your feet. Grab your spouse by the hand. I know it's heavy and I want it to be that way. Because some of you are facing tough, tough, tough situations in your relationship. We got two or three minutes. I want you to take your spouse by the hand. Some of you haven't held their hand. Don't put your arm around them. Hold their hand. Once you bow your head, let me just prophesy into you for a little bit. Would you let me speak life over you? Father, I declare that the thing that's been broken in them for a few years now, that the curse is lifting. That the fog that they've been in is lifting off of them. That there's some clarity coming. I pray for a rekindling of fire and husbands who've been cold. I pray for young couples who've had kids in the last five years and your whole marriage has been rocked. It seems like it's all about them now and there's nothing left between us. I pray that today there's a rekindling. Father, I pray for for couples who are struggling through infertility or just disappointment, whatever that is. Maybe it's the loss of a loved one or the loss of a job or financial strain or just disappointment. God, I pray they would sow faith into this moment. Come on, grip your spouse by the hand. Honey, I don't understand this, but I thought, well, let's just try again. I'm not going to sow doubt anymore. I've been sowing doubt into this for five years and it hasn't worked, so why don't I sow faith into it? Father, I pray for healing to happen. I pray for every relationship in the room. I pray for single adults that are considering marriage that God you'll give them this kind of great marriage. That God what the, the, the stuff they've heard in the last four weeks that would open their eyes that they'd make a right decision the first time. Father I pray for married couples that are struggling in the room that today's a day of healing. Now with your eyes closed maybe nobody's looking around maybe, maybe you, you, you are that single adult who sort of needed this series and say, man, I've been on this roller coaster for a long time. Or maybe you're a married couple and you say, man, this is for me. Like This is, this is, I, this is our marriage and nobody's looking around, but we got to have some help. If that's you. Would you just be bold and raise your hand and say, man, that's me. That's our marriage. I see you. I see you. Now, Jesus, do what only you can do. Father, I surrender everything to you right now. I, I can't pray this for you, but I can pray it with you. Why don't you pray something like this, Jesus? I give you my marriage. I give you my relationship. I give you all the stuff that's broken in me and in us. 
God, I pray for healing. God, I pray you'll forgive me for the stuff I've sown that I I didn't really want the harvest. God, I've I've sown disappointment and expectations that have gone unmet. God, I have sown doubt instead of faith. God, I have... It's my fault. God, it's my fault. I repent. God, fix us. Heal us. Make what's wrong right. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.